possibly for people who are not familiar with Latin music, they possibly believe that these are niche markets or that are not money makers at, or that don't have as enough cultural significance. And I think these analysis and this series that we've made first of Mexico and out of Colombia prove that that's a misconception. Hey guys, welcome to How Music Charts, where we pull back the curtain on today's music business, exploring music industry trends, music data, and the creativity that helps your favorite artists hit the charts. I'm your co-host Jason, and you'll hear from our other co-host Rutger very soon. This podcast is owned and operated by Chartmetric, a music data company that connects numbers to narratives to help the music industry leverage the power of data analytics. On this episode, we talk to A&R professional and Latin American music scene expert, Francisco Toscano. Francisco just released an English and soon-to-come Spanish article on the Chartmetric blog entitled The Rise of Regional Latin Music, Part 2, Colombian Music Genres, or uh, El Ascenso Mundial de la Música Latinoamericana, Parte 2, Música Regional Colombiana. There's a white paper on four of the most popular Colombian genres being streamed today on Deezer, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and all your favorite DSPs. Francisco is an A&R researcher for a major label based in and from the great city of Ciudad de Mexico and has a background in financial services. He holds an MBA from ESADE in Barcelona and a master's in music business at New York University. So without further ado, please welcome to the How Music Charts podcast again, Francisco Toscano. Hey, Francisco. Hi, Jason. Hi, Rutger. Very nice to speak to you again. Yeah, welcome back. It's good to have you back. So, uh, Colombia. Uh, so this is the second part of this blog mini series that we have going, and you know, it's one of the two stronger markets as you talked about last time when we were discussing mostly Mexican regional music, and uh, those two countries, Colombia and Mexico, being kind of the big kind of scenes for Latin music today. So, some of our listeners already know that you know reggaeton has come from Puerto Rico and Colombia. But that is a very different world from the Colombian genres you talk about in this second piece here. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, is there a relationship, you know, not just musically, but, but also business-wise between, you know, the highly commercialized, you know, reggaeton scene and then the regional genres of Colombia that you talk about in this blog article, like Vallenato, Colombian popular music, Cumbia and Champeta? Um, and if so, like, what's the nature of that relationship? Sure. Reggaeton, it's... Um it's a genre that, as, as you accurately said, originated in Puerto Rico a couple of decades ago. However, it, the intermingling of these genres, if you will, started to happen recently with massification and the, and the internationalization of, of Latin music. Uh, however, as, as it is the case with Mexican regional genres, in the case of Colombian regional genres, the roots that these, these genres have are different and come from globalization that started with the colonization of the American continent. And those rhythms then may have had a, an influence in the creation of contemporary Latin music, international genres such as reggaeton. But they're, they're a different thing. However, in the sounds, as we will speak in part of this series, the sounds are become and the, and the boundaries between regional genres and uh, international pop genres, if you will, are becoming more blurred as the world is becoming smaller because of the help of digital platforms. Content is available real-time everywhere, and uh, it doesn't matter where in the world you are. And that fosters the creation and fusion of new music genres, and not only in, in music, but also in, others, on, in other cultural manifestations as well. So it's exciting to witness this happen and wonder where, where this is going into the future. 
So we have, uh, in the article that you wrote, we have this little infographic where we compare Colombian regional music. Um, so we combine like these four genres and, and compare them to like other music genres that are out there. Like, so we compare them to emo rap, indie pop, and indie rock on several different mm -hmm. platforms. And I thought we could go through the results a little bit real quick and then just get your thoughts on like the different streaming platforms and social media platforms um, where Colombian regional music seems to kind of resonate in. So for example, when it comes to like comparing the top 100 artists of each of these genres uh, on Deezer, for example, by Deezer fan count. So the first genre out of the four is indie rock. Then it's followed by Colombian regional music, then indie pop, then emo rap number four. On Spotify monthly listeners, it's indie pop number one, pretty much uh, overshadowing most of them. Then indie rock number two, emo rap number three, and Colombian regional barely number four, but really close on emo rap. YouTube channel views, number one by far actually is Colombian regional music, um, more than doubling the next one, emo rap, and then indie rock, then indie pop. Pandora lifetime streams, Indie rock, indie pop, Colombian regional, emo rap. Emo rap is very low on Pandora. And then finally, Instagram followers. Emo rap kind of is number one, Colombian regional number two, indie pop number three, and then indie rock number four. How do you kind of view the different streaming and social media platforms um, in terms of their importance to uh, Colombian regional music? Yeah, it's a great point. And as you accurately point out in these results of, <clears throat> of the article that we've worked on, um, different musical genres seem to have better homes depending on the platform that we're talking about. We can find the content in every platform, but fans tend to identify with more, more than one platform than another one. Here, for instance, in the results that we're seeing, Deezer and YouTube are especially good hubs for this kind of content. The first, In the first case, in the case of Deezer, for instance, it's because they have purposely become a champion of local music scenes, and that seems to be paying off. And that's the reason uh, that, that, I, that, that I can find be behind these numbers and these are being really relevant for Colombian Regional uh, because they have made specific initiatives to foster the consumption of that kind of music in, in their platform. While whilst other platforms such as, for instance, Spotify have focused more on, on, on music genres that are gone international, which doesn't mean that they're not putting attention in this specific regional genres, but Deezer has played a more like a niche um, strategy and it seems to be paying off. And YouTube, uh, which is um, a huge platform pretty much for every, every genre. In the case of regional, of regional music genres, because it's, we can see the same in, in the case of regional Mexican genres, genres sorry. Um, it's it's really big because most of the population that uh, listens to this sort of music are not necessarily people who live in the city, are people who are not necessarily to to pay for subscription services such as Apple Music, such as Spotify, and YouTube is free and it's available everywhere, and the amount of content available there it's infinite infinite, I would say, <laughs> um, because not even in a lifetime you would be able to see everything that is on there, even if you try. And that makes it a very suitable option for people who probably have a lower income level, uh, people who have uh, probably restricted access to internet, uh, people who access mostly, mostly the internet through their phone. And YouTube seems to be a very um, friendly and, and a very 
a useful platform for, for music fans who follow regional music genres. So um, I do think that it's an interesting thing and an interesting takeaway, especially for creators of regional music genres, because it tells them where they should um, focus their marketing efforts and where their audience is. Um, so, so yes, I, I think it is uh, it is important to to take on account these two platforms for these specific music genres. So, let me sneak in one more here. Is it would I think be a mistake, um, and I know you're not like a, a global census expert, but you know it would be a mistake. It would seem to me to think that the only you know real listeners of Colombian regional music are from Colombia, or you know likewise for other Latin American countries. Can you talk a little bit about kind of that crossover between audiences um, from kind of like the native country, you know, no matter where they may be located, you know, maybe there are Colombian Americans or Colombians in other parts of the world um, that are presumably listeners, but also other kind of like significant populations that also are are huge fans of, of this type of music? Of course. And uh, then that brings us back a little bit to globalization, of course. Uh, Colombian regional is, has its biggest, audi biggest audience in Colombia because that's where a big part of what you like in music and when you go and listen into your adulthood, um, realize on what you listen on when you used to listen when you were little at home or at the street or at the parties that you used to attend to. Um, so, of course, Colombia is the first market. But um, Colombia, because of its geographical location, was able to to export, if you will, um, music to the world. And I think one, one of the examples is cumbia. And as a result, we, we see that there are cumbia movements are almost in every Latin American country. Um, Mexico has a huge cumbia movement with its own touch and flavor. Um, Peruvian cumbia, it's also a thing. And uh, Argentina, which also, which and Uruguay, which, uh, countries that we also talk about during on, on, on our on our last part of the series have their own cumbia movement so it is yes a mistake to assume that only colombians like this type of music but it's but we also need to understand that um the people who have become fans of of regional colombian music um have adapted it to their taste um have adapted it to their realities and have imprinted it in the idiosyncrasy, idiosyncrasy into 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 the music that they make or the music that they listen so um that has really helped for regional music genres to expand um all, all around the latin american region and even so to spain in in some cases so let's dig into these these regional genres in colombia a little bit more so you picked four of them i'm sure there are tons and tons more um but you picked vallenato Colombian popular mm -hmm. music, cumbia, and champeta. Can you explain mm -hmm. your reasoning for picking those four in particular? Sure. Um, the main reasoning was um, we were trying to see, because as you know, Colombia, because of where they are and the mixed melting pot of cultures that this country became during the, the colonial, colonialization, I don't know if that's the right word in English, during the colony, um, they they have more than a thousand rhythms. Actually, um, some people know Colombia as the country of a thousand rhythms as, as because of that, because even though the country is not that big, their geography is so intricate that that fostered the appearance of different music, music genres all around their territory. Um, however, when we were choosing which um, um, music genres we wanted to speak about, 
we chose to to speak about those genres that have been able to more successfully cross over into into the digital platforms. Why? Because we know that um, the era in which music was was mainly consumed through physical formats such as vinyl, which has seen a re recent uptick in consumption, but I think it's more for super fans who want to have an, a memento from, from their artists and support them in, in, in a more significant way. But the reality is that the majority of the music consumption today is happening through digital platforms, uh, all of them. And uh, those are the ones who are more likely to survive and, and to be listened by future generations. And we've seen, um, because as you see this in this um, analysis that we did, we, we analyzed to all the music, music, music relevant platforms that are out there. And we, and we saw a pattern of the platforms that were being consumed the most in spite of being regional music genres. And that's, that's the reason why we wanted to speak about them and put in perspective at the size of these artists, because possibly for people who are not familiar with Latin music genres, they possibly believe that these are niche markets for a very specific fan base and that artists that are making a career into these specific music genres are not big or that are not money makers or that don't have as enough cultural significance. And I think this analysis and this series that we've made first of Mexico and out of Colombia prove that that's a misconception. And that's a really important takeaway from, from these articles, I believe. Mm. So let's take Vianato, um to start. Mm. Can you give a brief context of the genre in terms of like sound or history, a legendary artist in the genre and maybe a rising artist that we should be looking out for? Yeah, of course. Um, Vallenato is... Um, it's from a city called Valledupar, which is close to, to the Caribbean Colombian coast. And uh, it's, it's um, the product of a fusion of two Colombian genres, which are in, cult, in turn called uh, Son and Puya. And one very distinctive um, sound that comes from Vallenato, it's the use of the accordion. So any, every time that you listen to the accordion, in the context of Latin music, you can bet that it's related to um, Colombian music or the Andean music in general, because we can hear those kind of sounds as well in regional music from Ecuador and from Peru as well. Um, however, this music genre was able to, to cross over um, because of its structure, its musicality, its melodic lines. Um, was, it, it was easy to, to mix it with Latin pop and with a little bit of Latin rock and funk. And I think that's what helped it transcend generations and transcend frontiers as well. And, um, uh, and we have as, as examples, for instance, Diomedes uh, Diaz, which was probably the legend from, from the genre. There are many people that came before him and of course other people that were going to live out, out of there, but probably Diomedes was the first artist who's uh, who was also known as Cacique de la Junta, the first artist who really became a mainstream figure, including his own Colombia, doing Colombian regional music. Um, he, he earned many accolades. He even won the Latin Grammy. And he was the first artist ever in Colombia to, won, to win a diamond certification for the sales of an al album. So that gives you an idea of the kind of phenomenon that Diomedes Diaz was. And even though he passed away in 2013 suddenly. He remains the third most followed artist on both Spotify and Deezer up to today. 
and he's on the top 15 artists, mo most streamed artists in Colombia, regardless of genre. In at least on 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 one of the platforms, we get that confirmation. But when we see data all across platforms, uh, I'm sure that that reflects the the relevance that Diomedes Diaz had in in the Colombian music scene, and how he paved the way for other artists that came after him to become global stars, which is the case, for instance, of Carlos Vives, whose global breakout hit, La Gota Fria, really took Vallenato to the world. It's a song that every Latin music fan, if you mention it to them, um, they're gonna know who you're talking about and what how the song sounds like, because it was a huge hit. And it also helped to, to bring Vallenato into the world stage. So, and Carlos Vives, as he was probably the first artist who really went for it and really mixed Vallenato with pop and with rock and with a little bit of punk. And uh, that's what made it so easy to understand and to assimilate by other Latin countries. And it really became a global artist because of this. And Carlos Vives, as a result, remains uh, the first most followed artist on Vallenato in Colombia, or well, or well in, in, of the genre in general, both at Deezer and on YouTube. And when you and, and and on Spotify as well, I'm I'm sorry. And when you see uh, at some of his numbers, for instance, on 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 his platforms, in the case of Spotify, he's above in number of followers of Korean K-pop sensation BTS, which is a pop phenomena, uh, a, a, the epitome of a pop phenomena, you know, and of a global pop phenomena. So that gives you an idea of of the size of of and of the reach that. Not only Carlos Vives, but Vallenato in general has been able to attain. And uh, just to finish with who's the rising star of this genre, he's pretty much consolidated because he's been around for, for a while, but he's, he's also have impressive numbers and his name is Silvestre Dangon. So he's, he's been around as a solo artist in a, in a duet with, uh, uh, with another accordion player. And uh, he's also been able to cross over frontiers. And just to give you an idea of, of, of the size of his career, he's been able to garner 3.66 billion views on his YouTube channel, which put him in the same league as Sane, you know, the, the former One Direction um, member, and probably is the one who's been able to build out the most successful solo career after he left the, 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 the band, the, the One Direction band. So that's, that's just to put in context the, the size and cultural significance that these artists have today. So speaking of pop, what is Colombian popular music? Because it's not popular music in the way that we typically think of it as in like mm -hmm. what is most popular. So can you explain the origins of that, which I think there are a lot of cross-country roots there right? So can you explain the context of Colombian popular music and what it is, how it how it's different from just pop and maybe yeah. some artists in this genre as well? Yeah, in the case of Colombian popular music, its origin is interesting because it's, the origin doesn't really come from from within Colombia or from the mix of cultures. Well, in a, in a sense it does, but in reality, the, the, the Colombian Musica Popular Colombiana, or which is Colombian pop, popular music, originated in, 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 in one of, of Colombia's um, uh, regions who 
started to have a lot of investment and migration because of, of the coffee growing industry that, that happens there. It's a region of Antioquia. So first, a railroad started to being built in, in that part of the country uh, around the 1930s and 1940s. And as, a, and as a consequence, migrants from all over Latin America, including Mexicans, Argentinians, Ecuadorians, arrived to the region to work. And that mixed with the regional music that was there. But when you listen to the music, uh, Colombian popular music, you it's it's unmistakable the really deep roots that this music genre has in Mexican mariachi. It's very very much influenced by that, both in in the sound, in the instruments, and in the in the themes and topics that are touched in in the lyrics of the songs, and. Um, and that has opened, of course, a way to Mexican artists to have a huge opportunity, especially for regional Mexican artists. Um, if you see the charts in Colombia, a lot of, of regional Mexican artists have a huge career in Colombia because of that, because, uh, because Colombians adopted um, mariachi music and made it their own and put their own touch. And uh, it became a global phenomenon around the 1980s. So... Um, that's that's why it's different because it's it could be mariachi but it's not, um, and it's called uh, música popular colombiana because it has its own distinctive touch. It includes accordion, which mariachi doesn't doesn't include, and other um, elements from other um, uh, Latin American uh, uh, regional uh, music genres, such as tango from Argentina, for instance, or bolero that came from Peru and 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 Ecuador. So um, if we want to speak about artists in specific, I would speak about uh, possibly about two of them first. The one is Paola Jara. She's, um, she's been around for a while, but she's possibly in the female um, Colombian popular music artist that it's able to consistently uh, put music in, in, into the digital charts in Colombia because of course there's tons of female um, Colombian, Colombian artists doing this kind of music, but she's very consistent. And uh, she's also built a high-profile high public persona uh, and uh, as a consequence. And uh, she's been, she's still not as big as we would wish in, in streaming platforms such as Spotify, for instance, but when you see YouTube, this, the story changes and here, uh, relates to what you said in and on on our or what you asked on the on the last question. YouTube is really important for this platform. For instance, she grew her channel on fifty six point five percent during during the last twelve months during twenty twenty, and uh, um, she that puts uh, her channel in the same in the same league as as Zendaya, who's a pop artist uh, and and an iconic act actress, a young actress in the United States. With a global reach, because uh, I'm 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 sure that if you ask any any young music fans who Zendaya is around the world, most of them are going to know who she is. And she's very good at using Instagram as well. And she has almost five million followers on Instagram, and she's grown thirty uh, percent her her user base or her followers base. I'm sorry on on this platform. So. Um, that gives you an idea of the appeal that she has and how consistent she's on the rise. And just to give you a context, now that we're doing, at the time that we're doing this interview, she has two songs 
on the Colombian charts. Uh, uh, as uh, one, it's the duet that she did with uh, with um, Jesse Uribe, and another one, it's a song that that the, in which she speaks about her relationship with him because they happen to be a couple now. Uh, they seem to be together for one year, so that's really given a boost to her career and his career as well. And of course, we want to speak about Jesse Uribe, who's the undisputed star of this genre, and he's the most streamed artist of the genre in Colombia during the last two years. And uh, um, he also picked up this type of music because his father, Colombian, used to be a mariachi singer, and he used to go with his father in to his father gigs, and he took uh, he took his son his son to to these gigs, and he as a as a result became a, a musica popular artist in Colombia, and uh, his. Views are also impressive. If you see, if 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 you look at at, at his YouTube performance, you can compare him to Love, he's, who's who has been a breakout um, pop artist from the United States, or the country uh, world established country and reality star Carrie Underwood, uh, uh, the the singer, uh, were and both of them are are on the same league as Jesse Uribe. And Jesse Uribe only started to have real success on his career like three or four, four years ago with, with, um, with uh, his hit, um, Dulce Pecado. Uh, so that just gives you an idea on, on the importance of, on the size that Musica Popular Colombiana has, has in Colombia right now and in their neighboring countries as well. And they have mm. started collaborating with musica, Mexican artists now as well. So speaking of that, Cumbia. So Cumbia is arguably the most globally or at least in the States, a uh, well-known Colombian uh, regional yeah. genre. Can you explain why that is and what the Mexican diaspora has to do with that? Of course, uh, Cumbia is possibly the first um, Colombia regional um, music genre that migrated outside of, of, their, of their country. Um, they had really powerful and numerous artists um, back in the day in in, in, in Colombia that started to tour around Latin America. And some of them, of course, reached Mexico because Mexico being the biggest market in, in the region, everybody who wants to really build, build a sustainable career wants to break into the Mexican market, regardless of genre. But um, these bands and artists started to travel to Mexico and the genre was embraced so fiercely by the Mexican fans and Mexican music lovers that uh, local music, uh, local cumbia movement, a local cumbia movement was born, which is Cumbia Sunidera, and we will speak about on, on our third uh, article of this series. As a result, Colombian artists that do cumbia usually have a big career in Mexico. And because of that, the Mexicans that migrated to the United States brought their music tastes with them, as, as every migrants do. So as a result of that, the Colombian artists that um, were able to cross over to Mexico also have a big career in the Latin market of the United States. And one of these examples is um, La Sonora Dinamita. Uh, La Sonora Dinamita is, is a band that has been around on and off, but overall she's, they've been around for over 60 years and they have impressive numbers and they remain active today. Uh, one thing that it's important to mention about Cumbia, and that makes um, La Sonora Dinamita's accomplishment even more remarkable, is that Cumbia in Colombia is not seen like a, like a current music movement. 
when speaking with many colleagues that work in, in Colombia, they've told me that cumbia in, in Colombia seemed like a, as a genre that was a little bit left behind, but that when you leave the, the Colombian um, country and go to Argentina or come to Mexico or go to other countries, that's not the case at all because the, the cumbia scenes in these countries are really, really vibrant. And La Sonora uh, Dinamita is an example of that. Just to put them in context, they can be compared to artists such as Hair, you know, the R&B artist who has been really, um, has won multiple awards in recent years and has been praised by, by the music critics all over the world. And she's around the same uh, league as well as Christina Perry, who this indie singer-songwriter who has got huge hits like Only Human, for instance. Um, and uh, the, because of, of the size of their career, they've been able to collaborate with Mexican pop stars. And they they're the ones who probably introduced this formula into, into the mix and uh, and started to collaborate with Mexican pop stars and that brought to their career back to life. And that um, strategy was later followed by other um, artists that also do cumbia, cumbia, in this case, Los Angeles Azules, who, who do cumbia sonidera as well. And they're probably the biggest cumbia artists in the world right now. They, 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 they were able to do collaborations with pop artists and as a result, they, the numbers that they have attained are huge. And uh, uh, however, nothing is lost on, on, on Cumbia in, in, in within Colombia. There's a little, I don't know if they call, they call it collective or if they're actually a band because they do music separately and together. They're called Frente Cumbiero. Frente Cumbiero. And they've been traveling all around the world, not only Colombia, but also Latin America, the United States, Europe, and even Japan. And they have, they have been, uh, they have started this scene in Colombia, which is called Neo Cumbia or New Cumbia Movement. And um, they're starting to collaborate with artists from even Japan, and they're starting to make interesting streaming numbers as well. So I think as a, probably Colombian musicians and Colombia uh, Cumbia lovers have seen that Cumbia is huge elsewhere. And probably they want to renew their movement. And Frente Cumbia is an artist that I think we should keep watching if you want to see where Cumbia is going to be going within Colombia. Mm. Okay, so finally, Champeta. So we saw, whether we realized it or not, we saw Shakira dance to Champeta in the 2020 Super Bowl in Miami. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Is this something, is this a trend that you foresee uh, happening, looking into the future uh, with regard to both uh, Champeta, Champeta uh, or any of these other regional genres from Colombia? Well, in the specific case of Champeta, it's hard to see whether it's going to cross over yet to the rest of the continent. But I'm telling you that I think TikTok came to revolutionize the music, the, the digital music landscape and how people discover music. And Champeta seems to be a genre that is very very much suitable to build these dance challenges that we've seen proliferate on TikTok and that have broken out tracks that otherwise probably wouldn't have become the global sensation that they have become. And I think there's a real possibility 
for Champeta to cross over regionally, if someone who's, who has enough influence and enough creativity do something on TikTok with this kind of music because the, I haven't seen tic, um, this music on TikTok yet. But I've seen it on YouTube. Um, Champeta, it's probably of all of the genres that we've spoken here, it's probably the newest. It was born around mid the mid-1980s. And as a result, it's only um, starting to grow within Colombia. Um, there are a lot of artists there that um, are doing this kind of music. Uh, probably the most relevant one is Mr. Mr. Black, El Presidente, and his hit El Cerrucho, but he's, uh, he's got other hits in store, of course. And uh, this genre is also huge on YouTube, um, but it's not necessarily huge on Spotify or Apple Music. But if something happens and they're able to place or create a hit on a short form video platform such as TikTok or Trailer or on Instagram Reels, you know, we may see this change very quickly. So I think that's um, Champeta is a genre that we have to keep an eye on uh, because it has the potential to give us a, a big surprise pretty soon. So in terms of kind of like if you take a step back and, and look at regional music from Colombia kind of in the next few years, where do you see it going? Um, do you see a lot of like international collaborations happening? Um, I know last time when we were talking about uh, uh, Mexican music and and uh, Banda MS and them like collaborating with Snoop Dogg, you know, is that, do you expect like similar kinds of collaborations in the future of this? Or do you think it's going to have its own kind of unique life outside of um, the borders of Colombia? What are your thoughts on kind of the next five years, let's say, for a lot of these genres? Oh, sure. Uh, first of all, in the specific case of Colombia, I think they have gone global, if you will, global in, 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 in quotes, because they have really only been big in Spanish-speaking countries. And I haven't seen yet collaborations being made with with Anglo artists or artists from other latitudes or French artists doing doing cumbia with Mexican artists as as, as it has happened with Mexican regional genres and or started happening at least. Um, I wouldn't discount it happening to be honest. Um, it only takes one artist that is a visionary in order to create something new, in order to to ignite a movement. And um, I don't know who could that be yet. Uh, but for instance, if you have a, such a high-profile artist such as Shakira, who's, who does music in English and in Spanish, she sings in French, she tours the world, if she probably would do a cumbia track and, and bring along one of her um, big Anglo music stars, you don't know what's going to happen in reality. So I, 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 couldn't, I cannot say that I see signs of already happening it, of already happening of, of this already happening, but it's, it doesn't, it wouldn't take a lot for this to happen because we already have very global music stars that come from Colombia that are familiar with this genre in the case of Shakira, or that build their career using a Colombian regional genre such as Carlos Vives. It only takes them to create something really cool, invite a, an Anglo music superstar, and this thing can change overnight. So that's probably one of the most um, intriguing and fascinating things about um, uh, working in music. You never know what's gonna happen. And uh, 
part of, of doing INR research, which is what I do, is trying to discover or foresee what could become big. And we see all sorts of mixes all the time, some of them weird and some of them really cool. Uh, but that's what makes our industry so dynamic, That because it only takes one creative genius to change the course of things, you know? Makes sense. Everyone, if you haven't checked it out yet, again, check out Francisco's article on the Trepmetric blog. It's blog.trepmetric.com. It's an amazing white paper, in our opinion, on, on that scene. And so thank you so much for joining us today, Francisco. Is there a way for people to contact you and reach out if they want to get in touch and say hi? Of course, um, you can find me on Twitter, FCO Toscano, and you can just look up my name, Francisco Toscano, on LinkedIn, or you can go to How Music Charts. There's a profile of, of myself that has been set up by, by you guys, and there you can find the link to, to both of these sites and find more about me as well. I'd be happy to chat more about this and on how and where do we see music moving in the, in the coming years. Awesome. And and again, there's going to be a Spanish version of this as well, coming from Francisco uh, yes. very, very soon. And otherwise, uh, please look forward to uh, the part three, where we talk about the future of a lot of these, not just Colombian, not just Mexican, but pan-Latin regional music forms and how they're mixing into the, the future of, of Latin music. So thanks again, Francisco, and uh, we'll talk soon, okay? Awesome. Thanks, Thank you guys for having me again. How Music Charts is written and produced by Jason Hoven and Rutger Rosenborg of Chartmetric. As part of our effort to equip artists with the power of music analytics, we've just rolled out a new artist tier, which you can sign up for at app.chartmetric.com slash plan slash artist for about the price of a coffee per week. Free Chartmetric accounts are available at chartmetric.com and podcast notes are at blog.chartmetric.com. You can also subscribe there for additional insights delivered to your inbox right after we publish. Did we mention we have a YouTube channel? That's right, subscribe for Chartmetric tutorials and tips for indie artists. Follow our thoughts on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Chartmetric. That's Chartmetric, no S. That's it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.